So we've been doing this book study, and I don't know about you guys, but since September, this book, Emotional Health Spirituality, has been an awesome, for me, it's been a life-changing and provoking book study for me. Honestly, um, things that the author, Peter Sascario, talks about, peeling back those layers of false self you know, uncovering that true self that God has called us to be. And it's, you know, he talks about how there are so many that go to their grave, not really uncovering their tr true self of what and who God called them to be. But I'm grateful that pastor has started the book study to help us to be enlightened, to help us to grow. Um, a friend of mine always said, when you know better, you do better. So, um, with the shift that pastor started talking about on Sunday, I just believe that even in our mind and our way of thinking and how we live our lives, there's a shift that's starting in us here at the city. So I'm definitely excited about that. And so on your outlines tonight, we are starting from chapter four and the author is talking about now we're at the point of knowing ourselves, knowing ourselves so that we may know God. So if we go back and we review just briefly um, a couple of areas that we talked about on last Tuesday, um, I know in this book is on page 74. The other book, I think instead of chapter four, I think it's chapter two. So on the, the author talks about three different temptations that hinders us and keeps us from knowing our true selves. And one of the things that he talks about is the temptation that I am what I do. My life, myself, who I am is based on what I do, my accomplishments my, that I've made, my successes, what I've achieved. It, you know, most of the time we consider ourselves worthwhile based on our successes. And, you know, the thing is, is that the world has somewhat, and there's nothing wrong with having success. It's not wrong with achieving your goals and dreams, but when you allow them to alter who you are and that becomes who you are, instead of allowing God to lead you into being who you are, then that what we put our value in is in the thing and not in who God has called us to be. Um, speaking of that, what do you guys, anybody get anything from, what was your takeaway when it, it talks about, I am what I do? the performance, performing. What is a takeaway that you got, anyone got from that on last week that you would like to possibly share tonight? This is an interactive study. I just thought y'all want to know that. I'm not a teacher. I do not want to have to call out names. So is it going to be interactive tonight? Inspiring, unconcluded, you know, um, and even if you catch yourself sometimes, you think highly or lowly of a person depending on what they do or what they have done, right? Or where they live and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunate, it's unfortunate, you know. Um, and you know as well as, as Tony and I, 
sometimes talking with the teens, mm. you know, um, you know, and it probably all started from peer pressure. You know, that peer stuff starts at a very early age um, where, you know, you are what you do, what you do in your life or your career, um, your status. It can be negative, um, it's all, you know, or it can be positive, but. Right. And I definitely agree, Pastor Tim. Um, and when you said that, that's the one thing that came to mind, because even the author in the book talks about it didn't start as an adult. You know, this would have started back when even in your teenage years or maybe even now, younger than that, when young, the younger generation have so much access to see things that half the time is not even real. What they're seeing on social media, what they're seeing on TV, whatever it is they're influenced by, that's what I need to have in order to be something or someone in the eyes of others. So they grow up with that mentality. And then society says, if you got to dress a certain way, which, you know, we talked about that earlier tonight, you got to look a certain way, you got to live at a certain place, you got to drive a certain car to even be considered any type or have any type of worth. Um, we place value on things. And instead of uncovering our true selves that God has called us to be, who God called us to be has nothing to do with things. You know, when he talks about true, you know, spirituality has nothing to do with what we have tangible because those things are going to be gone but who God calls us to be when we understand our true selves then the, all those other things it's nice things are nice to have as long as they don't have us and you know what we do so you know that was one of the other temptations the possessions that we have uh, what others think about us you know we talk with our youth um, Pastor Tim and um, Sister Pony would tell you and a lot of that that they have to deal with, the pressure is what others think about them. You know? Yes, ma'am. And that's one of the things that, you know, the author talks about in the next chapter, it talks about going back in order to move forward. You got to go back and look at some of those things that we were taught as kids and our family and generation after generation 
that, you know, now we still hold on to those things. We still replicate that and it continues to go on. And, and then you teach your children that and, you know, they teach their children that. And so that the values that you hold a lot of times, like you said, uh, Sister Gilchrist, is something that we've been taught. Um, but we are learning to do better and we know better now. So, you know. Um, and based on what you said, um, Pastor Tim, on page 78, one of the things you said is, the author says, what is most startling in reading a detailed explanation of what goes on beneath the surface at the age of 15 is that the same dynamics continue into the 20s, the 30s, 50s, 70s, 90s. We remain trapped in living a pretend life out of an unhealthy concern for what other people think. And I can testify for my own self. There were, they based on how I was taught, because my parents were older, strict, and it was, you know, this is what you got to do, you know. So, you know, a lot of times, well, if you didn't do that, you're not, you're ever, you're never going to be this. You're never going to be, you know, nobody's ever going to want you and all this stuff. So that, stigma and that low self-esteem was a battle and a fight that I had to overcome for years because I always was concerned about what other people thought about me. That's how I lived my life. So I never even tried to uncover what or even thought about who I am, you know, and who who's God called me to be because I was always, you know, you think about, and it, it doesn't mean that our parents are bad. You know, I'm not saying that, but the upbringing that's what that's all they know how to do that's what they knew and they try to do it out of love to help us to do better like you can't keep doing that because nobody's going to want to be around you you're never going to be good enough and all this stuff however you know as a child for coming from someone who you would believe that loves you and has your best interest at heart you know you take those things to heart so as parents we have to be mindful of what we are saying and how we're teaching our children, you know, the things that we're putting in them because we never know how, what seeds is being planted and that below the surface, that iceberg that is there that's being built up over years, over years of years of, you know, things that we're teaching and our kids are taking it that, oh, well, this must, must be how I'm going to be. You know, you say I'm just like my dad. So I guess, you know, that's how I'm always going to be. You know, but understanding that, you know, God has called us to be our true selves. So we're going to move to that. The next part that Pastor talked about on last Tuesday, developing your authentic self. Um, one of and this is starting on page 84. Anyone have any comments before I move on to that? I was thinking about military. I military military, military they have to teach. Well, you probably that military they condition you, and there's a whole lot going on. I'm sure a lot of breaking down and then building back up. I think about firemen, you know, you always hear talk about brotherhood. You know what I mean? Fraternities, sororities. Uh, but what about the younger kids when, you know, cheerleading and sports? 
you know, it's just like there's a constant change of the guards, mm-hmm. you know, so it's no wonder after your 40s and 50s and 60s and different things, pages, you know, that there's a lot of mental mm-hmm. stuff going on. Right. Even in the best of growing up and things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's really, I've never thought about it. And you make a valid point. My son was in the military and a lot of what he came back with, he didn't have when he left, you know, and it is a uh, conditioning in your mind and the way you think, but you bring a valid point. Could it be that if in the military, your sergeant or commanding officer, whomever, they're always leading you and telling you, you need to do this. 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 That's all you see. That's all you hear. So you become accustomed to it. So now you start to think that way because you condition your mind to think that way. Well, what about doing the same thing with God? Can we open our hearts and our minds to the word of God, to, you know, books like this that can help teach us. And that's what we hear. That's what we put before our eyes. That was, that's what we put in our minds. We continue to replay that over and over again, who God says we are, who God says I'm supposed to be, who God's created me. Automatically, we continue to, that's the thought that comes. So now we become conditioned to think differently. When you think differently, you act differently. Because you, you now your mind is conditioned to think, no, I know that's what the world says. That's what the world says I should do, what I should be. But God says, so again, we have to be mindful of what we put before our eyes, what we're listening to, who we're listening to, you know, who we're allowing to speak into our lives, you know. So, it's, so just like the military or on the natural, so on the spiritual that we can as Christians, as men and women of God. Do that with God, with the Word of God, becoming who He's called us to be. We just got to be. Look, military don't give you an option to change your mind. Once you sign on that line, you got to do what they say to do. You belong to them. So you no longer have a choice not to do what they do. So if, if in the natural we can do that, then how much more can we be obedient to what God? We just got to take that, that step to say, God, I want to do and be who you call me to be. And doesn't mean, and here in this book, he talks about when the change happens, you're going to lose some friends. You're going to lose some people because you no longer walk the same walk, talk the same talk, hang around the same people. When change comes and the change starts in our mind, then we change our whole, every, everything, who we're around, where we hang out, what we do. And that is because we're now growing and shifting into being our true self. So tonight, developing your authentic self. The author said, we are so unaccustomed. I mean, we're not used to it. It's not comfortable. It's not something that we automatically do. On page 84, we are so unaccustomed to being our true self that it can seem impossible to know where to begin because we've been so used to being our faults. But when we know who we are and whose we are, then it, just like Jesus, when he started to go and do what God had called him to do, he, like Pastor said last time, he didn't make friends with everybody. He made a lot of people mad. He disappointed a lot of people but it never deterred him from what he had to do because he knew who he was. 
he knew who he was called to be. Doesn't mean everybody's gonna agree with you every time about everything. Because when you know who you are and whose you are, then you gotta go regardless. And so tonight, one of the things, and I'm not gonna read the whole, cause it's kind of lengthy, but on the story, I'm pretty sure you all know about David and Goliath. But um, I wanted to focus on that when we talk about developing or knowing, developing your authentic self, you know, knowing who you are. Um, David, um, and this is starting in 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, I would say probably 26, chapter, uh, verse 26, um, and I'll paraphrase some of the things. Um, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And, you know, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the one who kills him. So at one point in time, his brother heard him talking to the men, got angry, said, who are you? You know, why have you come here? And with whom do you leave these few sheep in the wilderness? So there again, your brother, he is antagonizing and putting down, belittling somewhat who you are. Who are you? You, you supposed to be out here tending the sheep somewhere. So you come here, we're in the army, you know, we're fighting against the Philistines and here you are. I know how conceited you are, his brother said, and how wicked your heart is. So now I want to play on and talk about you ain't this and you ain't that. You know, when you have people around you, you came down only to watch the battle. So, so David said in verse 29, now what have I done? I can't even speak. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him before what David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. So, you know, when David went to see Saul, he said, your servant will go and fight him. That's what David said. You know, you can't look at the out outward appearance. You think, oh, okay, I've been tending sheep. Okay. But David, one thing about him, he was confident in who he was. He knew who he was. He knew that Goliath, all the men in the army was afraid of him. But David said, I'll go, I'll fight him. Because he knew who he was. He was confident in knowing his self. And that's the thing we want to talk about tonight of knowing who we are. So when those things, those challenges and those temptations come against us, you know, we're not swayed by that. We're not swayed by the opinions of people or what people think about us because we know who we are. And it's not about being arrogant or anything caught up in yourself because when you know who you are in God, then God will help you to be loving and kind, you know, and be humble before people and be confident in who you are and carrying out what God's called you to carry out. So tonight on the, on page 85, the author talks about some ways that we can get to know and know our uncovering our authentic self. Um, he talks about on page 85, the Holy Spirit empowers us to break free into our true selves. So the first thing that he brings up is how to pay attention to your interior, in, your interior in silence and solitude. So when you look at this and it says silence and solitude are so foundational to emotional, healthy spirituality, 
I don't know about you guys, but sometimes that's hard for me to just sit in silence. Either I, I'm, I have music playing, either the TV might be on, you know, it may be something, but just to sit in silence and just to meditate on God and his word, you know, that could be challenging for a lot of us. What do you guys think when it comes to um, paying attention to your silence and the solitude? How could that help you to identify and uncover your true self? Really, you gotta pay attention to 
what we're doing is kind of cease and visit, we're kind of in that, that perpetual ocean. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back, I think it goes back to what um, Pat was saying earlier about trying to live up to an end or to, to wonder where a lot of people are thinking about how people see us or what we do and what we have. And uh, that's, I think, uh, a lot of times, probably for the most part, that is the driving force in our own business because we're trying to maintain him mm -hmm. rather than being truly made in his image and seeing what's truly important in life. And that's doing life God's way and affecting positively of the people, and I think that we can go into our mental health mm -hmm. because it's mentally unhealthy mm -hmm. trying to satisfy everybody that's looking at you when at the end of the day you're never going to be satisfied then. So we could narrow it down to the point where. We're no longer living to satisfy people, but we're living to satisfy the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're taught to get to steps to the constant removal. Again, I go back to something to talk, something to talk. And so you're constantly. We live in a world where everything is constantly moving. And if you were to have success in life, you've got to move this. And you've got to, and so when we do succeed and we get it hard, there's a guilt there when you really cannot set a consciousness because you can think of other things that you should be doing. Cool. That's, that's my problem. I, I, I don't have a problem with turning on Shutting my mind down. Mm -hmm. So that is not based on this time. And I can do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're shutting that down so I can really focus. For my folks, you know, just to be still. Yeah. There are times when I got out, and I really got in the car, and I can't get out, but I can get in the car and literally. Uh, I put a drive on and I don't move. There's no music on. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just sitting there. And I have had to learn to give myself permission to do that. I'm not doing it, especially when you see them at all. But I'm thinking about the time I did. It's okay to be still. It really is. Mm -hmm. And not do anything. You don't have to think about it. There were years ago, and there's a book by Russell Marshall talking about practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it literally teaches you to be still and not do anything. And when you do that, more than likely, it's just a lot of time with me and the most important. And it's okay, you just got to be doing this. I just don't care if you're doing this. 
may have to do it with. It's okay for me to rest. It's okay for me not to mention it this time. It's just okay Whatever it's 10 minutes, 15, whatever, or all you're doing, you're sitting out, you're writing, what, what's going on, what your feelings were, what you're just dealing with, you know, expressing that, getting that out because she had a problem talking or just dealing with her feelings. She didn't want to deal with it, don't want to deal with the emotion of hurt, pain. Now, it sweep it under the rug, go away, but it doesn't. So she taught her to just take the moment, just sit down and just start writing. What are you feeling? And, and that, to your point, and that's what this book is teaching us to uncover our feelings because God created us to feel. We have, we are going to, we're going to sense emotions. When we try to deny that we are not emotional beings, then it, it does cause some mental effects on you because you're like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Well, you sure look mad to me. Uh, you sure was mad back. No, I'm not mad. I'm good. Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. So now we're, we're, we're not fooling ourselves because yourself says, you are angry and you're stressed and you're starting to feel it physically affecting your body because you're not willing to face the fact that, yeah, you really need to deal with your emotions. And those times that I agree because those that do meditation, those that teach meditation will tell you, it's not an easy thing. You're not going to get it when you first start. You got to continue to do it, whether it's you start 10 minutes, you start five minutes, you start then 30 minutes, you start because our minds are always racing and going. Some people, they call it insomnia. They can't because they mind it just they got this to do, they got that to do, they got, they got this meet, they got to meet this, they got to be this. Kids over here, they got, and their mind is always racing. But one of the things you said, Brother Troy, about no, no longer living to satisfy others, which I truly believe you can 
easier move into an area of silence and solitude when you don't have all these other things coming at you that you got to take care of. Because no, you don't need 160 channels in, in Time Warner Cable. You don't even watch five. So you could downsize right there so you're not worrying about a $160 bill. No, you don't need this huge $300,000 home and it's just you and your wife. Nobody else lived there but you and your wife. Who are you? And you're struggling to hold on to this mortgage. For what? Are we living to please others? Are we living to please God? Yes, ma'am. child or most of us was associated with punishment and that's why it's difficult to do it now that's from the evangelist prophetess um yes. thank you thank you evangelist thank you very much um but that is true go to your room be quiet sit down don't say nothing we, we run away from being quiet and if your kids was too quiet like what they doing Check on them. Go check on them because they're too quiet. They're doing something. They ain't had no business. We, we, you're right. We reassociate it with a negative connotation. So we don't take the time to be silent. telling you all along, you know, whatever. This is the, and other factors. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's about how, you know, this country, we've just constantly moved 
constantly. We were talking to the team, you probably remember that, a while back, about um, respect and authority. And we were telling them that they go from authority to authority. They're born, we were like, who's your authority? Our parents. All right, when you start school, you go from where to where, from our parents' authority to the teacher's authority or the principal's authority. Whose authority are you when you're out on the street? The government, you know, the police, it just goes from person to person, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, have a, a boss or someone, you know, there's expectations, there's a man there, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's got this, is there, but there's other countries, Germany, over Europe, they take siestas. Mm-hmm. If you do read the stats, they tell you mm-hmm. their depression rate is lower. Right. And all the, you know, all the other stats to go with it, mm-hmm. you know, because if we look at yoga and all that, it's mm-hmm. weird meditation. Mm-hmm. But some part, some of it's good. Right. Right. Muslims, yeah, they may not, they may worship Allah, whoever that is. Mm-hmm. But there's certain disciplines that they do mm-hmm. is really good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right, um, right. And it right. does take some time and some training. Right. Um, you know, I try to practice when I pray, be still for a minute. Mm-hmm. And after I've heard nothing, what I did here was, like you said, says peace. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that troubling in my spirit or my heart or I felt, okay, I can, I, I'm finished praying for the moment. Right. I can move on. But I had to learn that that was God still speaking to me. Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you do have to kind of train. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think it's a lifetime of that, to be quite honest. And that's one of the comments that um, um, someone had put in the Chad, is that are we living to please others or are we living to please God? And there's some, it will cause us to rethink why we do the things we do. You know, why do we have to have that? Do we have to, you know, go here, go there, purchase that, get that? And, you know, I talk with customers all day, every day that are upside down in debt. And a lot of it, is living to please others because there ain't no way you needed a $60,000, $70,000 car when that $15,000 car would do just as well. But society says, the salesperson at the dealership says, oh, you can get that. Your income supports, oh yeah, you deserve that. You work hard. You should get that. Drive off that lot. And then that payment hits and you're like, um, I don't, I got to get a part-time job now. So then we stretch ourselves even more trying to please others. Instead of asking God, help me, direct me. Because right now I'm just feeling a lot of angst. You know, feeling like maybe I, you know, want to get a new car and really need a car. You know, how's that going to work for us? My budget, you know, is that going to interrupt my peace? My time to just be still and enjoy living the way God has called us to live? Or am I gonna be stressed out and have to worry about they gonna, I gotta park the car down the street so they don't see it because they may be trying to come get it, you know? Switch cars with my son so that they won't know, you know, I got his car, he got, I mean, all this stuff. It's just, it's, it's stressful because we don't 
understand our true self of who God called us to be. So again, out of that one thing, the takeaway is, you know, that we allow ourselves to be silent and be still. And if we don't, and if we're uncomfortable with that, that we continue to ask God to help us through that process so that it becomes a part of who we are, that we are comfortable with the silence and the solitude. And we look forward to that. Like you, some people look forward to a nap. You know, naps usually make me more tired, but some people naps are good. You know, they look forward to, you know, I'm going home in the evening and give me a nap before I have to go to whatever. That you look forward to that time of solitude, God, just to hear from you. Spend that time in peace. The next one, it says, find trusted companions. The possibility of self-deception is so great that without mature companions, we can easily fall into the trap of living in illusions. And I am so grateful that I have companions as far as what I consider close friends and that would tell me about myself that are really honest, you know, and not, oh no, that's okay. You're all right. No, you're not okay. What is wrong with you? Why do you act like that? You know, what's wrong with you? You okay? I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Why? I just want to check. You do look like something's going on. You know, those that will, you know, those trusted companions, you know, I mean, do you, I mean, you guys tell me, do you feel like that, especially with our youth, that is important that we have those people in our lives that, you know, that we can trust, that can tell us and be truthful with us? And are we willing to really hear what they say and, and accept that? Because sometimes it's hard to hear the truth. Any comments on that? And it helps you because you're able to deal with things sometimes. You know, my wife um, brings something to me. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily want to hear it, especially if it's true. And I'm not feeling like dealing with it at the time. But, you know, we have a conversation. And then after the conversation, I feel better about it for having to have that conversation. Because some conversations are necessary. And if you don't deal with it, and you know, again, we don't necessarily, I guess I'm better, better expressing myself now than I have ever been, but we don't we don't like expressing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can't put the words together with how we really feel. So we just avoid. But you know, over the years and, and, and growing and, and learning more about who I really am and not just who I am, God um, to me has helped me to, to be able to express a lot better than in the past. But it helps, it helps me to be a better person when I'm able to deal with things rather than letting them bottle up and 
restroom, and then when it comes when it comes out, it comes out very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And you then you ask what's wrong with you, and and I say, I don't know, or 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 nothing. <laughs> and it's because I rely on layers mm -hmm. to build on a situation rather than dealing with it initially. Mm -hmm. I rely on layers to, to build on top of like you know the, the early you walk upstairs the time you get. Mm -hmm. So by the time it comes out, I'm gonna walk up all the stairs and I'm very, very tired and frustrated. And it just comes out. I just want to wear on somebody. Mm -hmm. And and but I don't know why I'm well. I'm just doing it. And feel like I just feel like if I get it out, then I'm good. But you still not there because you have to deal with what the root of the problem was in the Well, I, I think that um for husbands, wives, friends, children, whoever, when you're in a relationship, you have to know who you are mm -hmm. in a relationship as it relates to, to the person or people that you're in a relationship with. Because you can go on and on and on and be offended and offend, mm -hmm. you know, be a certain way, and nobody ever tells you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're bleeding here, so you put a band in there. You're bleeding here, so you put a band in there. Mm -hmm. Everything is covered up. Nothing is being healed. Mm -hmm. You know, you're constantly going through hurt and, you know, you know, hurting somebody else, just being frustrated with somebody else, and you're not being healed. Mm -hmm. and so it is important that in your relationships, whatever they are, that somebody can tell you, you know, you are this way. And let's face it, nobody likes to hear that about themselves because you think you are who you are. And in the back of your head, you also know who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so for somebody to actually bring that out to you and you already know it, it's not that great of a feeling, but it does help. Mm -hmm. You know, for you to really know how you are to somebody else. Some people say, I don't care what people think. It is important that you care what people think. Mm -hmm. You know, so my kids, it is important that you care what somebody thinks about you, you know, because this is who you are and they have to express who you are. And we give them the opportunity as well to express how, how they feel about us. Like, what do you feel like we're doing that's offensive to you? What do you feel like we're doing that's wrong? How could we be better parents, you know, to you? And everything's on the table, however you say you say it, you know, just get it out and tell us. I think a lot of times, I go back to the part where it says being alone. A lot of us are fearful of being alone. Mm -hmm. And that's where your communication comes to you and God. Mm -hmm. If my relationship is right with God and I'm seeking him, I'm getting his word, then every, that's my people. Everything else works itself out because of God in me. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I do think there's a lot of people who can't stand to be alone. They always got to be around somebody or they always have to have something going on and it can't be and in quiet time, they're not able to do that. And that's why so much people talk about solitude and being alone. It's just having that time to listen, to hear from God, and having that relationship with God, because that relationship with God helps you with every other relationship you have in your life. From the times you have friends, knowing how to treat your friends right, from having, knowing how to treat your family right, knowing how to love right, knowing how to do all these things that God has called us to do, called us to is finding that relationship with God first, you know, and being alone with him. Then you're able to build that relationship with other people. But I think most of all, you have to build that foundation with God. I think that as Christians, a lot of times that's where we falter. 
because we feel like when we have a relationship with God, that everything is going to fall into place. And it's not. Because I can have a relationship with God, but because we have a relationship, we're going to have some friction. So it's not always going to fall in place. You have to make it be in place. You know, so your relationship with God is great, but you're still going to have friction with people. You know, and you still have to, you know, accept who you are, who they say you are, and make that. Yes, it's all goes back to your relationship, but just it's not always going to be, you know. Yes. So, uh, on page 65, I just want to share a paragraph I think is really profound. Okay. It says, it's 64 in the new edition. In this journey of emotional health and spirituality, we are talking about radical change in the core of our being. At least two critical forces hinder such a profound shift. First, the pressure of others to keep us living lives that are not our own is enormous. And second, our own stubborn self-will is much deeper and more insidious than we think. The possibility of self-deception is so great that without mature companions, we can easily fall into the trap of living in illusions. And he ends at this part saying how important it is to have people who are not like us mm-hmm. in our group who think differently. We're always around people who mm-hmm. constantly support and feed who we are, then they support and feed us living a lot. Yeah, and that's on page 87 in this, whoever has this book. Yeah, yeah. Because if, and I agree, and like he was saying, if you are always around people that are just, oh yes, you're wonderful, great and grand, then I uh, think that said it too. In the back of your head, you know you're not great and grand. Not, you know, that's not always the case. But when we don't take the time out to know who we are and to know God, then it's hard when someone else in our lives, the trusted companions, whether it's a pastor or a counselor or a leader in the church or whatever, your brother, your sister tells you about yourself and how you're dealing with situations or how you spoke to that person or, or what you did and they didn't feel like, you know, that was the right thing to do. Then you get like the Troy said, you get offended because you internalize it. Now you're attacking me. You're attacking myself. But when, as Sister Tony said, when you spend time with God, it's not that you won't have friction among us because we're still human beings. We still have emotion, but having that time with God shows you and it exposes those areas in your life that need to be changed. We run away from being silent. As Sister Tony says so many times, we run away from that because that's going to expose some things. God's going to speak some things to us that has become a comfort to us that we don't want and not willing to change sometimes. Comfortable reacting this way. I'm comfortable. That's why I've always done it. That's why I've always reacted. That's how I always came at you. When you said this to me, this is what you're going to get, you know, and that's how we always, so we comfortable in that. But when we spend time with God, it requires us to change and change is not always comfortable, you know, and you got to be willing to change because change can come, but it ain't going to happen if you're not willing to move in the direction that God wants you to move, to open yourself up and say, God, show me me. 
who I am and what needs to change. I do not want to keep going through this over and over and over again. And people say this and say that, and I get angry or I get offended by it. I don't want to talk to you no more, but they were your trusted companions when everything was right and said good. But the minute they didn't agree with something and they told you in love about yourself, then you had a problem with them. You know, and that's not just out there. That's right in here too. You know, how we deal with one another, how we love on one another, you know? So again, that true self requires change. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be in silence to hear from God and allow the change to take place in us first? Mm -hmm. Right. 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 And a few of the comments says a trusted companion keeps you from being like the emperor and his new clothes. That's why the word states that there is safety in the multitude of counsel. But it is a true maturity and relationship with your God that and those you trust to not only listen to counsel, but act on it. But, and um, Evangelist said, nobody likes change, but a wet baby. <laughs> All righty then. That is true, never thought about it like that. Thank you, Evangelist, amen. Um, so moving on to our third point, he says, move out of your comfort zone. I think we just talked about that. That comfort zone, that place where we just can be who we've always been. Um, the author says in, on page 88 that dying to your false self and allowing your true self to come out can be frightening. For some of us, giving or receiving a compliment feels wrong. And I, and I can attest to that because sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, well, you did this, you did, that was great. And it's like, okay, well, it, it's like uncomfortable. Why? Why is it uncomfortable for us to receive a compliment from someone? And it says to some, asking for help feels like you failed to even ask somebody for help. And I know there are people like that. I have people in my family that you would never know they lights was out and they was in the cold, but they will not ask anybody for help. They refuse. It's like, so you sit in the cold? You'd rather sit in the cold than to just pick up the phone and ask somebody, look, um, can you possibly help me out this time until I get paid again? Because you feel like you fail. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Uncovering that false self, that which the world has told us is acceptable and not acceptable. Why would we feel like to ask somebody to help us would be a sense of failure? 
Is it anything to do with ourselves? Does it has to do with who we are, who we think we are? Does it have anything to do with, this? it may say pride, I can't, I can't, because then people are gonna feel like I didn't do, I didn't accomplish this, I didn't accomplish that. And I'm supposed to live a certain image. People think a certain image I'm living, this false self, that when you see me on here, you think I got it all together. And really, I don't have it all together. But I'm not going to let you know that. Hmm. One, uh, a prosperity to get that or struggling to keep it, come and feel like you feel God, whether you want to admit it or not. The truth of the matter is you feel like you need to let God down and you understand or that God doesn't love you. But isn't that how we operationalize, how we operationalize the term prosper mm-hmm. in prosperity ministry? Because mm-hmm. I think prosper, I mean, we read this book now, I think we open up our minds to what prosperity really means. Mm-hmm. Right, so if we change the definition of prosperity and not that it's about the three temptations, what we have, who we are, right? And we can still prosper, but the definition is different. But what's wrong with failing? And where do we start? And who, who gets to describe who gets to determine what failure is? If, if we were perfect beings, then we wouldn't fail. But we're not perfect. We are made in the image of God. We're not God. So we will fail. Right. And we and hopefully, you know, when you do, you get up and you learn from that and you move forward. In your scripture that says, my also gets up. So it's we get up and we keep moving forward. Right, right. But again, sometimes that image that we portray and people feel like, oh, you are supposed to be a certain this, a certain that. You know, I recall growing up in Father Todd's home the church. As, uh, I did. That's all I knew all my life. And going off to college and coming back with a baby and not being married. It was like, okay, you're going to sit down. You're not going to do anything in the church. You're not going to be active. You pretty much felt like you were nobody. And I failed because, yeah, I wasn't perfect. But again, you grow up with that mentality that you, you don't have room to fail. It's not an option to fail. Yeah, you went to college, you, you spent up all this money trying to get a degree, and you still don't have a degree. Oh, well, you failed. You might as well give up. Don't even try no more. You know, and that's the, that's the even I think somebody said it from a child. You grow up thinking that, you, you, you know, that's how we talk about going back to move forward. You got to peel back those layers like, why do I think that way? Is that how my family, is that what I was raised that you don't fail? And in some cultures, that is how they're taught. You know, that you don't fail. It's not an option. You work, if you got to work 24 hours to perfect what you are supposed to be doing. These, a 
Olympians or whatever it may be, they they train, 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 train. You don't fail. You don't lose. It's just, you know, ingrained in their mind. So for them to fail is like sometimes they fall apart. They can't handle it because I just messed up on one tumble and it, my world is done. I'm done. We fail, we learn, we grow. We learn our true selves. Yes. And I'm not sure because I'm in the newer position with um, God with, you know, our feelings and God feelings. Mm. And yes. we point out a lot of scriptures. Um, and, and, you know, kind of back to the beginning of our thing, God was the jealous God. It was a time God regretted that he created man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and the list goes on and on. Um, and so God will speak and help us in our feelings. You know, there's never a time to wear your feelings on your sleeve. See, we're taught that too. Why are you feeling on your sleeve? Mm-hmm. Other words, why are you feeling? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I grew up, my dad was like, why are you crying? You know. So he was teaching me how to suppress that. You know, I cried more than my life. (laughs) You know, it's tough. But you know, so being an authentic self, I would say, and I'm sure we'll probably hopefully be dealing with it later. But start getting to the practical Mm -hmm. how to reverse this down, right. how to change this. Right, now that you've identified. I found the why right. last week. Oh, okay. You know, my wife was sharing with me about something she was going through. God, well, I got offended mm-hmm. because she was tested. And all along, all she wanted them to share with me about her day. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm in box because I don't want her feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Next day, I found out why. When I was a little boy, anytime I would hear my mom or dad in an argument, now by no means did my father ever abuse my mother verbally, physically, or anything like that. And as I become a teenager, I would go and look at that and make sure she was okay. Mm-hmm. I found out why. Mm-hmm. So now, I my wife, somebody has been very protected. I'm not going to be so You identify the feelings, the emotions that you was dealing with. You identify that. Okay, yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm upset. Yes, I'm tight because my wife. So I, I identify that. I didn't say I'm a Christian. I'm just gonna pray. Lord, I'm not upset. We just gonna be good. Everything is. But you identify. Look, I'm I'm dealing with these emotions. Why? And so you peel back the layers. You start to think about okay, you know. Now you understand the why. 
So you, it took you outside of your comfort zone because we get comfortable being where we are and dealing with what we do with things. But as you said, this third point, we got to come outside of that comfort zone. We talked about meditation. It takes you outside of that comfort zone. It's uncomfortable. It's not what you're used to. That silence, solitude, coming out of that comfort zone. And then the um, the last one we were talking about when, when we allowed ourselves to, you know, be in silence and solitude. Once we, you know, trust those people that are in our lives that are truthful and honest with us to help us in our finances come outside of that comfort zone so that we can walk in the way of, you know, change and be accepted of change. We got to pray for courage. And the author says, when anyone makes makes a change in themselves, becoming their true self in Christ, a few people around them will often get upset. Okay? I said that earlier. Things change, people change. They start, oh, you acting funny and brand new now. Oh, you don't want to hang around me no more? Or we can't go out no more? Oh, you don't have time to spend. We used to spend 12, 2, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning sitting up talking. No, I can't sit up and talk to you because I need to be somewhere sleeping so that I can get some peace in my mind or I can spend some time in silence. I, no, I, I can't. I'm sorry. I love you. Can't do that. At some point in time, we have to pray for courage because for some of us, it's hard. It's hard to really move. If it was easy, we all would have already been, we would have accomplished this book years ago if it was that easy. You know? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen until we're more mature in age. Because as teens and stuff, we so busy trying to run behind friends and please them and keep up with them and, you know, get acceptance from them. We don't even know, we don't take time out to know who we are when we're that age, you know, and sometimes we just keep running that line, same, just keep going. As Tony said, we don't want to be alone. We want to be with friends because they have defined who we are. So we have to pray for courage to shift into a different direction that God is calling us to be. He's calling us to be our true selves because in order for us to have that shift, in order that shift to really take place, it has to begin in us first. You know, God is calling this ministry at this point to shift. And, and like Pastor said on Sunday, you can feel that, you can sense that, but we, we're the, where we're going is going to cause us to know who we are. You know, when challenges and we're tested and our faith is tested, we really have to know who we are and in whom we believe and who we trust in so that we can be our true selves. And we're not getting upset because you made the potato salad. And I didn't really like it, so Cheryl, but you made it. So, um, and then you didn't put the tablecloths on right, Sister Gilchrist. I don't even know what made you put the black cloths. I said I wanted the satin white ones. Mm-mm. No. When we're our true selves, we're not going in and out, you know, at each other over stuff that, you know, that doesn't matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. I never, I don't, I don't 
And I'm just getting to the point where you start searching who I am because mm -hmm. it's such, you know, my past had huge influence, other folks had huge influence that you never, you never thought about what your own thoughts are about situations, careers, where you go to college, what you're looking for in a wife, like all this stuff. You know, I joke with Daniel all the time when my dad used to talk to me about marriage. Well, is that what I wanted? Mm. Or what that was not going to stand to me, you know, even choosing to like all this stuff. So I think for teenagers, even young adults, or mm -hmm. like we know to get to a point where we can even begin to think about who we are because we've just been living mm. influences. Like, you know, my whole uh, idea of success is always do better than my parents. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, now that I've gotten there, it's like, well, what, that, that's what led me this whole time. Mm -hmm. That's what, what I really want to do. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we have to, you know, begin maybe to teach our kids and, and really have these conversations from earlier about mm -hmm. what is it that you want. Mm -hmm. But now I'm at a point where I'm looking back about why why am I doing stuff? Why did I do stuff? Mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily always. Right. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. Mm -hmm. I'm always stuck in mind. Well, when I said that, I was speaking about myself. Because as a kid growing up in a um, Pentecostal home and you did what you was told, you didn't ask no questions, you didn't talk back nothing. So you really didn't think, you just did what they told you to do. Um, so I always depended on people to tell me what to do, define who I was. So as an adult, I grew up that way. And like you said, it wasn't really honestly, and I'm in the mental health. So when I started studying to be a counselor and you started to understand the mind and the concepts of how we are influenced by our past and the way we think, you know, it's not until even reading this book that I started to think about pulling back those layers and I'm grown, but I've never really been challenged to pull back the layers to see and my authentic self and how we can be spiritually healthy but yet it can be emotionally immature because we really haven't stopped to address the emotional side of who we are. So a lot of times, you know, it, we just, it's, we pass it by, but something like this, even to this book, we could even teach to our teens. They could even start. So they, for me, it would be like, man, what if I would have been able to have this when my daughter was younger, when she had gone through, depression and, and suicidal ideations the way that she did. You know, I, I praise God for deliverance in her life, but yet because of the things she struggled with, had I known this and being able to even give this to her, you know, I think that this is even for teens is an awesome opportunity to teach them now. So they're not influenced by, because friends are so important. I don't know about your kids, but for my daughter, friends was like God. Whatever they said, well, my friend said, this will your friends will be here today. But I promise you, when you graduate from high school, you won't see half of these people. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. 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 As a person, and as we close the um, comments, that let ourselves give ourselves permission to be different, to be who God called us to be. And so I look forward to this next chapter. We um, move into that about moving forward back to move forward. We're going to uncover some things back in our generations, our past that has affected us. We're going to uncover that so that we can move forward into our true self. Um, thank you. Those that are online that join us tonight, I pray that, you know, we have something to move for thought tonight to go home and just to continue to grow and ask God to help us to be our true selves. So we're going to um, close the prayer. Um, so we would stand. And um, again, thank you guys for tonight and for your time and your devotion to becoming your true, our true self who God has called us to be, is going to be great. Amen. Father God, we just thank you tonight for this time, for opening our understanding, God, for allowing us to see you, oh God, through this book study, oh God. We ask that you would bless everyone that was online, bless those that are here. God, we pray, I pray that we would just take this that we've learned and we would take it out and just continue to spread it to others so that we would continue to grow, Lord God. We would continue to be all that you've called us to be, Lord God. And as we leave this place tonight, God, we ask for your protection. We ask to protect those that are traveling. God bless our pastors, Lord God, as they are traveling in ministry and doing what you've called them to do. Keep them covered in your precious blood. Lives will be changed through their ministry, oh God. Bless them even the more tonight, oh God. We thank you. We glorify you. We love you for loving us, for helping us to love ourselves the way you see us, oh God. Thank you. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.